Hey, this is your host, Jeremiah Lutimo, and this is Gates of Perception. The totality of the universe is it's just perception. And uh, it's how we perceive things. And uh, there are no facts, only interpretations. The, the psychical events are facts, are realities. And when you observe the stream of images within, you observe an aspect of the world, of the world within. And so, you see, the man who is going by the external world, by the influences of the external world, say, society or perceptions, sense perceptions, thinks that he, he is more valid. Don't relate yourself to any person, anything, any idea. Thank you so much for joining me for today's episode. If this is your first time tuning in, welcome. Thank you for being here. And thank you for allowing me to be a part of your day. So today I'm going to share six tips for setting better boundaries. So this is for all my chronic people pleasers, my nice guys, my sweet and polite girls. For all my people that like to keep the peace, this one's for you. So I think we've all heard of the word boundaries. I think it was a little alien to us as children, but as adults now, we're stepping into learning and applying the skills necessary to create and build healthy relationships. And boundaries is a huge component to that. And I know for myself, this is something that has been very new for me, especially coming from the the childhood home that I did, where boundaries literally would be like met with resistance, violence, and verbal abuse. And so setting boundaries first was a very scary event. It was very awkward. It didn't feel empowering. And then I think after that stage, we enter, if we continue to practice them, we enter into this state that feels a little more like neutral, where it's like, okay, like this is just what I have to do. Like, it's okay. Like, it's not that scary anymore. And then I think the third stage of it is like, we feel empowered by it. Like we really feel a sense of like, gratitude for ourselves for standing up for ourselves um, and we feel a level of protection and also a level of respect for the relationship itself because when we have boundaries we can preserve the quality the beauty the respect between two people and the, the love in the relationship by creating those boundaries by setting those boundaries because we're protecting we're protecting our well-being and we're also protecting the well-being of the relationship itself because god knows when we don't enforce our boundaries we become very resentful we become very exhausted snappy and we just go outside of our window of tolerance and that doesn't really make for a healthy relationship because we're not showing up as our best selves we can't because we're filled up with resentment and bitterness and all of the things that kind of take us away from connecting to the other person, but drift us into finding ways to protect ourselves from them. Okay, so let's get into the six tips. So the first one is going to be probably a no-brainer, but I think it's very important to state that you should only enforce boundaries that you know for yourself you will be able to maintain. So what do I mean by that? So oftentimes we have boundaries that we need to enforce with a friend, a family member, our partner, maybe even our work environment, our coworkers or our boss, right? 
And in those situations, we're trying to protect our well-being. We're trying to make sure that we can show up as fully as we can, but also be there for ourselves at the same time. And we need to make sure that the boundaries that we're enforcing with these people or these environments are ones that we are capable of maintaining meaning that there will be moments where somebody will forget your boundary like will literally not try to bulldoze over you or try to like disregard you or disrespect you but people are different from you and they value different things from you and they see the world differently from you so there will be times when we're enforcing boundaries where we will have to remind people of what our boundaries are and why we're not okay with a certain thing happening or why we're not available for something in a relationship. For example, like I might be in a relationship with a family member of mine, might be my mom, might be my dad, might be my older brother, might be my younger sister, and they tend to, let's say, overfunction in my life or they tend to overshare details of their life. Whichever it is, if I notice for myself having those conversations or being in those experiences is overwhelming for me, then now I'm put in a position to enforce a boundary, protect my well-being, protect my mental health, right? And so people are going to forget because if the dynamic of my relationship is one where I've been available for that, if it's one I've been encouraging that kind of dialogue where it's kind of unfiltered or my mom is over-functioning and I'm kind of allowing her to do that where she's just calling me up anytime that she wants and tells me about what I need to be doing with my life and how I need to be spending my days or what partner I need to be choosing. If at one point in my life I was available for that and I was listening to it and I was also encouraging it and I wasn't enforcing any boundaries, that sort of that set a tone for the relationship. And so the person is accustomed to that tone, that dynamic. And so me changing that dynamic, me relating on a level that I feel more safe and comfortable with is also going to be an adjustment for the other person. And so that adjustment looks like a lag time or a learning curve for the person to kind of catch up. And we're talking about relationships in which people actually are open to respecting and honoring our boundaries. And even if they aren't, we still have to maintain the boundary. And so in those situations, we're put in positions to remind the other person to state the boundary again and to let them know our because, our why behind the boundary and why it's important to us. And so through that, we actually develop a lot more resilience. We develop a lot more comfort in being in those uncomfortable situations because there's a way that we avoid enforcing boundaries by believing that once I've said it one time, then the other person shall automatically know that's something I'm not okay with, which in a way is true, but it doesn't it doesn't, it's not integrated with the understanding of the complexity of human experiences. Like people are different and people have different values. People have different upbringings and therefore things that you need aren't going to be things that they will think that you might need or things that they think that are important to have in a relationship, right? Based on their own dynamic, based on their own personal relationship with the world. 
there's always going to be an opportunity for us to reinforce that, but to also practice seeing that event as not scary, as not something that's creating less love in the relationship. And, and it's through the maintaining of the boundary where we're actually moving into what I mentioned earlier from those first stages of it being awkward, being scary, being triggering to it being neutral, being something that we want to do, and then it feeling empowering. So understanding that enforcing a boundary that you will be able to reinforce over time as somebody forgets or crosses it. And also understanding that if you're begging somebody to listen and honor and respect your boundary, I mean, that's a whole different context, right? We're not talking about begging for people to listen to you, to honor your boundaries. We're talking about reinforcing a boundary. There's a difference between begging somebody to respect your boundary and reinforcing it because the person is different from you and they might have forgot and you're in a position to remind them, right? And so the difference between those experiences is if somebody meets you with disrespect after you've reminded them of a boundary or somebody meets you with understanding and openness, like, oh, shit, you did tell me that. And I realized that in this moment, I forgot to do that. And thank you for reminding me. I'll make it a practice of like remembering that this is something that's important to you. That's the difference right there is that. The person's response to your reinforcement of the boundary tells you whether you're in a position to beg to be heard and listened to and respected, or you're just in a position where you're constantly making sure that th this is top of mind for that person, that this is something that they're aware of. This is something that's a integrated within their own experience of relating to you. You know for yourself, have discernment. You know for yourself if you're begging or you're in a position to maintain and reinforce. So the second tip is going to be don't create a moral story around your boundaries. This is something that's very important and something that I've had to learn because as a chronic people pleaser, we are so accustomed to seeing the world through a specific lens. What I mean by that is seeing ourselves as the good person that's taking care of other people, seeing other people as people that are in need of our help, in need of our assistance or in need of our resources and love or care, whatever it is. But it's a black and white world. And so when we start enforcing boundaries, we still see it from that black and white lens where it's like, I'm the person that's being hurt by their actions and they're the person that's hurting me, abusing me and like being narcissistic in a way. And so that story, it actually deepens our desire to protect ourselves. It actually creates a stronger wedge between you and the other person rather than what boundaries are meant to do, which is preserve the connection, preserve integrity, preserve polarity. Those are the functions of boundaries. They protect you, they protect the relationship, and they create more love. But when we deepen into the story of like, oh my God, I'm setting this boundary with this person and I can't believe they wouldn't know that this is important to me, that they wouldn't know that I'm not available for a conversation like that, or I'm not available for them talking to another person or doing this in our relationship or scheduling me for an overtime shift at work. I can't believe they would be so inconsiderate to my feelings. 
And it's like, why are we making a story, a moral story about the other person around the things that we need to feel safe and protected and loved and respected? The only story that should be created out of these boundaries is why our bodies experience that as overwhelming, experience that as dysregulating, experience that as disrespectful. I need to just tune into my body. I need to tune into my needs. What is this reminding me of? Why is this so overwhelming for me? That is the only, if there is a story, that's the only one I need to be exploring. But whether the other person is narcissistic, selfish, self-centered, an asshole, rude, whatever it is, that's not really conducive for me creating the boundary and experiencing more love in the relationship. That's not helpful it's not effective. That's not bringing that reality forward. It's actually taking me away from it, which actually, for people pleasers, actually deepens our level of resentment, right? Because it's like, instead of using the boundary to free myself up from possible resentment, I use it as a way to deepen into more resentment by now looking at the person as a bad guy, looking at the person as like wrong and like harmful to me or like scary and like possibly going to betray or hurt me, right? And that only deepens my resentment because I'm like, I can't believe I had to enforce this boundary with them. I can't believe I had to say this and share this and do this and like maintain this boundary even. So it just deepens the resentment rather than creating more connection. And then it gives me permission to protect myself from the other person. Right. So we need to see for ourselves, like, what story do I create out of my boundaries once I reinforce them? And what what permission do I get when I believe that story? Right. So if I believe that this person is like narcissistic, because why would I ever have to enforce this boundary with them? Right. If they were kind, loving and like a person they say they are, if they were that person, I wouldn't have had to share this. But what, what, what does that give me permission to do when I believe that? It gives me permission to assume people can read my mind. It gives me permission to be resentful towards them. It gives me permission to also be resentful when I have to reinforce it and maintain it. It gives me all of these permissions that are kind of embedded in my own childhood wounding and my own protective system. And so that's not conducive for anything. So it's very important that we don't attach a moral story to our boundaries, but we just kind of tune into why was that overwhelming? Why do I need this? How is this protecting me? And why is this important to me? Why is this a value of mine? And so from there, it doesn't become about the other person because oftentimes we're enforcing boundaries. We believe it's a punishment to the other person, which is not the case at all. That's why the moral story works for us in those situations because the moral story helps us feel like we're punishing them. It's like, oh my God, you fucking asshole. Like, I can't wait to hit you with this boundary, right? But it's not. We're not punishing the other person. That's not what boundaries are meant to do. If you believe boundaries are punishment to other people, then you are completely like doing this whole thing the wrong way. And you're probably not experiencing any, any connection, any deeper level of intimacy in your relationship because you believe you're punishing your partner by enforcing this boundary or your family member or your friend. And so that leads me to my third tip, which is enforce boundaries 
set them early, not once you've reached your limit. The reason that's important is because when we have these moral stories and we build up resentment after enforcing a boundary, receiving somebody honor and respect that boundary, but out of that experience, we become more resentful, more bitter, more more disconnected from the other person. It's because we probably reached our limit once we finally enforced it. So that's on us. That's not on the other person. Like we have to take responsibility for that. Like I didn't recognize that in my body, this experience was overwhelming. I didn't recognize inside of my own body that this is something that I'm not available for. I didn't tune into my needs. I didn't tune into my values. I didn't tune into how this was affecting me on a mental and an emotional level. That's on me. That's not on the other person. I can't punish them for what I wasn't attuned to within myself. That's so unfair in our relationships to punish people for things that we were not cognizant of, things that we were not attuned to within our own bodies, from the signals of our nervous system, from the signals of our intuition. All of this that we ignored and avoided is not something that we should look at the other person and blame them for. When we get past our window of tolerance and we're at that breaking point and we try to enforce boundaries, we're only setting ourselves up for disaster because out of that experience, we're probably going to be even more resentful towards the other person. Let's say your boundary is that you don't like to go out every night with your friends. Like you can only go out once a night or once a weekend, right? But let's say Your friends have invited you. It was Christmas break and your friends invited you out five times every night. Like, hey, let's go out. Let's do this. Let's get drunk. Let's go to this party. Let's go to this event. Let's go to this concert. And you went each time. And on the sixth night, they invited you out again. The moment you enforce that boundary, you're probably going to be maybe very disrespectful, rude, mean, impolite, uh, aggressive, hostile. And even if you aren't, you might internalize all of that shit and keep it inside of yourself and start feeling all of that rage and all of that inner conflict. Even if you don't externalize it, you're still experiencing a high level of dysregulation after enforcing a boundary, which should probably do the opposite. But it's because we've reached way past our limit. So we need to be attuned to what our needs are, what our values are, what works for us and what doesn't. And like, make sure that we enforce these things early, especially if we're single and we're dating and we're meeting new people and we're interacting. Enforce those boundaries early on. Like, hey, like I'm interested in you. I want to get to know you. And I also want to share with you that I don't like going out all of the time. I'm a homebody. I like to stay in. I don't want us to go out every night for dinner and like go watch a movie and go to events and stuff like, you know, once a week is fine with me. Right. So that way you're not in positions to where you're like out five times and now you're brimming with rage, like resentment and like hostility towards the other person. And that's when your boundary will be kind of will feel like you're punishing them. Right. Because the truth is, who are you really upset at? You're not upset at them. You're upset at yourself for not noticing that this was an experience that you weren't available for. This was an experience that you felt was too much for you to bear, 
You've, this is an experience that was overwhelming to your nervous system. You weren't attuned to that. So in truth, like we're really upset at ourselves in those moments. We use the other person as a scapegoat from that truth. So the fourth one should be obvious by now if you've been in the practice of enforcing boundaries. But if you haven't, this one is very important to make sure you're doing is being specific. So if you are not specific, then you're also setting yourself up for resentment and bitterness and loss of love in the relationship. Because like I mentioned earlier, people are different from you. Like they have a different sets of values. They have a different upbringing. They were raised differently from you. So they like see the world very differently. And there's some times where we see the world very similar, but people are different, right? And that's the beauty of our relationships. But to expect me saying to somebody, hey, I don't appreciate when you do this. Can you stop doing that? Like to expect them to know what I need them to do from that is wrapped in that concept of romanticizing our partners being like able to read our minds, being able to tune into our needs before we even said them. And I think this is tied to us being children and our parents not being attuned to our needs when we couldn't literally speak and share what was going on with our bodies and what was going on with our emotions and our, our nervous system, right? Our parents needed to attune to us and like figure out and kind of read our minds, read our bodies, read our reactions and figure out what was going on. Like a baby has like three or four different cries. You know, one could be for food, one could be for uh, breast milk, one could be for sleep, one could be for they need to use the bathroom. Like there's so, and they can't actually communicate that. Like they literally can't tell you specifically what they need. They're incapable of doing it. Kids don't even develop like inner dialogue and inner speech till about seven or eight years old. So from there, they have a really hard time actually communicating their needs. So parents actually have to be attuned to the child, actually have to be attuned to the child's like needs, their, their, their emotions and how they respond to certain stimulus, right? And so in that situation, we were in positions, many of us didn't even get that. Like our parents probably like, you know, put us in a corner when we were crying for love and maybe slapped us around or verbally abused us when we needed empathy and emotional uh, caretaking, right? And so because we were deprived of that experience, right, which is the ideal experience for every child that they actually need for like to develop as like healthy functioning human beings, we, a lot of us were deprived of that experience so we romanticize it and we try to get that experience as adults where we don't say anything. We just, we just make remarks. We just huff and puff around the kitchen and do all of these passive aggressive things to try to get the other person to attune to what we need, which is us trying to get that experience that we lost. We're trying to redeem our childhood in our own way. And I think that's why people romanticize having their partners as mind readers is because our parents didn't attune to our needs. And now we're trying to get somebody else to attune to our needs. And so we can drop the fantasy. It's okay. We didn't, we didn't have that childhood. Many people didn't. And it's okay, right? We're adults now. We can now step into healthy and powerful relationships. And so part of that is recognizing that we have to be specific. Like we can drop the idea. We can drop the fantasy of having a partner just know what we need without even telling them, we can drop that fantasy because it's not 
less sexy. It's not less passionate. It's not less romantic when we say, hey, I need you to do this right at this time on this day and this way. This is how I like it. This is how I need to feel loved, respected, and trusted. It's not less sexy. It's not less romantic, right? Probably even more romantic, probably even more sexy because you can watch the person meet you in that space, be available for your needs, and then meet that need. Like that's that's exciting. That's redeeming our childhood in our own ways, right? So being specific is very important. Like you just can't expect people to know exactly what you need unless you state it. And so this is a way where we don't trap ourselves into this constant cycle of resentment, bitterness, protection, and disconnection is by setting ourselves up for success, by being specific. Another example, if I have a need for, let's say, quality time, right, with my partner, I need to state, I can't state to her, hey, I need us to spend more time together. Like, it would mean a lot to me if we spend a lot more time together and we did things together. Okay, she's going to take that, right? If she's respecting and honoring my boundaries in her own way and the things that I she's trying to meet my needs, she's going to take that and interpret it and translate it and express it in the way that makes sense for her. So that might be her hanging out with me, going to a movie with me, or, or having a load of lunch dates with me. And so that might not work for me because that isn't how I get that need met, right? And so I have to be specific. I have to state to her like, hey, I need us to spend more quality time in nature together where we're off our devices and we're just connecting heart to heart, right? I want us to do that three times a week. And that would mean a lot to me if we spend the rest of our evenings together after a long day of work. That level of being specific helps the other person because they know exactly how to meet the need. And so that sets the relationship up for success because that person gets to meet my need and I also get my needs met. So being specific is very important and it's great because we, we grow out of the discomfort of enforcing our boundaries, of setting boundaries and asking for what we need. We, we are able to actually grow out of those patterns when we're specific, when we're asking exactly what we need because we... In order to be specific, you have to be attuned to what the fuck you need. Like in order to be as specific about your boundaries, your needs, your values, whatever it is, you have to know what the fuck is going on inside of your body. You have to be present with your internal experience. You have to be present with your values and beliefs. Because it's like, what are you going to create as a boundary if you don't even know like what you truly need? You don't even know what fills you up. You don't know what recharges you. You don't know what nourishes you, right? So the practice of setting boundaries is actually helping the relationship, of course, but it's really helping us get familiar with who we are, get familiar with what we need, and then share that with other people. So the fifth one is a very underrated like tip or practice in relationships and that's celebrating and respecting when others enforce boundaries and the reason this is important is because when you respect and celebrate other people's boundaries you set an example and a tone for what you want to also receive right for how you'd like your boundaries to also be respected and celebrated when they're enforced 
Because if it's something that I value, for example, if I value like, so if I value like the care and the love and the nurturing of like animals that are vulnerable and innocent and aren't really protected within our society, I value that. And when I show up for it, I'm excited. I'm proud of myself. But when I also see other people doing that within my community or within my family, I also celebrate that shit because it's a value of mine. So I'm already setting the tone by just living my life and embodying that. But when I see other people doing it, when I see other people taking care of animals, when I see other people donating to sanctuaries, when I see other people buying vegan food or practicing consuming less meat in their lives, I celebrate and applaud that shit because it's something I value personally within my own life. So the boundaries are the same thing. If I value like protecting my own well-being and having that honored and respected by the people around me, when other people do that, I'm going to celebrate and respect that. That means a lot to me when you do that. So I know how much it might mean to you when I follow through and commit to honoring and respecting your boundary. So I'm really happy that you had the courage to do that. I'm really happy that you had the level of self-respect to do that. So from that, I also get the opportunity to like show people when I enforce a boundary with them, how I want to be like responded to. Because when I enforce a boundary with somebody, when I set a boundary, when I say, hey, I'm not available for this, da da da, da right? And that person meets me with a specific energy or they do their best to honor it. I can give them an example of what it looks like for me to have that boundary honored, to have that boundary respect and say, hey, remember when you let me know that this wasn't something that you were okay with, this is something that you didn't like. How I met you is also the same way I would like to be met. And then that person has a, as a reference, they have a template, they have something to look at as an example and say, oh, that's like how you would like me to respond to this setting the tone like just being clear just being aware of like how we set the tone in our lives for how we how we set an example for how we want to be treated and responded to and so and the other piece to that is actually helps us because usually when we're not enforcing boundaries with people we're not setting these boundaries in our relationships is because on some level we believe boundaries create less love but also boundaries are a form of abandonment or betrayal to the other person because we've internalized that love means self-abandonment. Love means self-sacrifice. Love means self-betrayal. A lot of us have internalized this kind of messaging. So boundaries feel like a betrayal towards the other person. When I say, hey, I'm not available for this. I'm not available for this conversation. I'm not available for us going out every fucking weekend. Like it feels on some level somatically that we're rejecting the other person or we're abandoning the relationship. Part of rewiring that and reminding ourselves that we're actually creating more love, whether the person receives it in a great way or not, it's about understanding for ourselves this is an aspect of a healthy, beautiful, loving, and meaningful relationship, right? In order to remind us of that, we also, when people enforce boundaries with us, we need to remember that they're not betraying us, they're not abandoning us, and they're not rejecting us. And the way that we do that is by honoring, respecting, and celebrating when they enforce boundaries with us. Because that actually creates a different way of viewing the experience. It adds a different meaning to the experience itself. 
and therefore allows us to feel more courageous and empowered when we do it in our relationships. And the last one that I think the most important one is going to be have personal boundaries. So what I mean by personal boundaries are the boundaries that you set with yourself. So the toughest boundaries, the most profound and difficult boundaries that we're ever going to set in our life are not going to be with family members. They're not going to be with a partner. They're not going to be with our coworkers. They're not going to be with our closest friends. They're going to be the ones we set with ourselves. When we look at ourselves and say, wow, like, I'm not okay with me doing this anymore. I'm not okay with me constantly entertaining my toxic ex. I'm not okay with me constantly being on Instagram for eight hours of my day, scrolling mindlessly. I'm not okay with me eating processed food every day and not taking into account that I need to be prioritizing my health and well-being, right? The same components and elements that are present in when we enforce boundaries with people in our lives must be present in the way that we relate to ourselves. Because we're doing the same thing. I'm protecting my well-being. I'm protecting my relationship. I'm protecting my future by saying, Jeremiah, you cannot wake up every morning and begin your day by scrolling on Instagram for five hours. You cannot begin your day by eating sugar, fats, and processed foods when you wake up in the day. These are boundaries that I have with myself because they're preserving my relationships, they're preserving the quality of my life, and they're preserving and allowing me to still maintain and reach my own personal goals. So these are more difficult to enforce because we sometimes give ourselves so much like leeway, right? Our inner teen, our inner child has these manipulative tendencies and like destructive desires and habits. And we just allow them to run loose and just say like, oh my God, I messed up. Like, let me give myself grace or let me be soft with myself. It's like, bro, you can be soft and still be brutally honest with yourself. You can be gentle with yourself and still be enforcing personal boundaries. Like gentleness doesn't remove the appearance of personal boundaries. It doesn't remove the appearance of limits and parameters for our inner teen and our inner child. Your inner teen, your inner child could be in there like, oh my God, I need this hit from this relationship. Let me just go out with them one more night. Let me just go to this party that I know is not going to be conducive for anything, right? That's your inner teen. That's your wounded inner child in there trying to get a hit out, trying to maintain a connection with some toxic energies that they are so accustomed to. But you need to have boundaries. You need to say, no, 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 that's not what we're going to do. We're going to find another way to get this dean mount in a healthy way, right? That's hard. Like how many of us have called back that ex that we knew wasn't really the best person to contact when we felt lonely or sad or depressed, right? It's fucking hard. It's a lot harder than enforcing boundaries with people in our lives, because we can throw those people out. Those people can also throw us out of our, their lives. But you are stuck with you for fucking forever. So if your shit doesn't change, you're going to be stuck with that perpetual pattern or unhealthy habit for the rest of your life. Like somebody could disrespect you and you can actually toss them out of your life and be like, yo, like we're not, this isn't working, right? But you can't do that with yourself. Like you're stuck with you. You're stuck with your wounded inner teen. You're wounded inner child. Like y'all are 
this is this is a forever thing. So personal boundaries are very, very important. That's why they're also very, very difficult, right? How many of us set a new year resolution and never follow through with that shit? It's because we don't have personal boundaries. We don't tell ourselves like, yo, I need to commit to this. I need to see this thing through. I need to see myself invest in myself for the next six, seven months and go hard as fuck. Like I need to create personal boundaries around my life to allow me to actualize that dream, right? So it's like... It's, it's, it's not something easy, but the boundaries we enforce with others is a reflection of the boundaries we have with ourselves. So most of the times the boundaries we're enforcing are actually with our inner children. That's why I'm, keep, I'm constantly emphasizing it's the inner teen and it's the inner child you need to create boundaries with. Because this is the part of good parenting is because you're showing up as the adult, nurturing and parenting these inner children. And the three aspects of a good parent, I'm not a parent, but this is from my understanding, is that there is a, an, an element of guidance, there's an element of nurturing, but there's also an element of limitations. So I'm giving my child guidance. Hey, you have a really gift for writing. Hey, you have a beautiful voice. Let's guide that gift into a space where it'll be visible and appreciated and it can also like blossom. Nurturing. Wow, you're hurting on a deep level. Like, what do you need right now? Do you need us to go into nature? Do you need me to, you know, journal a little bit about what we're feeling? Do we need to surround ourselves with community or uh, a good friend right now, right? Nurturing, being there for my needs, tending to my emotions and also nurturing my own body. Right by giving it the things that help me live optimally and feel healthy, and then you have limits, which limits means like it, limits are important to set with children. When you think of a seven-year-old running around doing whatever they want without any limits or boundaries, yeah, that child might get into a lot of trouble. They might break their leg. They might drink poison. Whatever it is, if the child does not have limits, they're gonna go off and do whatever the fuck, and probably get into a lot of trouble. And so the limits we set with ourselves and our inner children are going to be very important because these parts of us may think they know what they're doing, may think they know what's best, but in truth, they really don't. Just as much as a 14-year-old knows how to take care of a home, they don't, right? A, a child, a teen might think, like even me at 15, I thought I knew what it took to be an adult, but I didn't. Like I didn't know. I just wanted to be so validated and respected as an individual that I assumed myself to be an adult and I assumed to have the wisdom of an adult, but I didn't. So this is the same with our inner, our inner teens and our inner children is that they believe they know what's best. So when we're in situations where we're like, oh my God, I'm feeling lonely, the voice of our inner teen goes, yo, you need to reach out to so-and-so. That's going to help us get that need met. And it's like, they don't fucking know that that's a, a recipe for disaster. But it's up to us as adults to recognize that, wait, that is not really conducive for the life and the relationships that we want to create and attract. So I need to redirect that need in a space in which it will be met in a healthy way. So creating those limits with ourselves, creating those limits with our shadows is going to be very vital to not only a healthy relationship with others, but really the foundation of all of these relationships, which is the one with ourselves. 
And so with that, those are my six tips. I hope those helped. I hope that you apply them and integrate them wherever you see fit. And I hope you found them to be useful or valuable to maybe the challenges you're having with setting boundaries in your life right now. If this is something new to you, if this is something that you've been practicing for a while and you're just trying to hone in on the skill. So let me know if these tips have helped. Please feel free to share them with me via Instagram, via Twitter, via TikTok. And also feel free to leave me a review. Let me know how these episodes have been impacting you. And with that, I'm going to wish you guys a beautiful day and a beautiful evening. And I'll see you on the next one. Peace.